that also he will reap. And uh, Galatians was one of the earliest books of the New Testament. And I am looking here for Galatians. There it is. Who snickered down there? Amanda snickered. It's still there. If you have your Bibles, and you should, please open to Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to read from, I'm going to read this this morning instead of a standing and reading it, because I have a lot of stuff to, as, as Gary says, sometimes he feels like I shoot a fire hose at y'all. We got a fire hose coming today. So starting at 13, for all of the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit. That's the theme of today's sermon is how do we walk in the Spirit? And you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. We talked about them last week. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in a time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen to this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. May God bless the reading of His Word. If you look up today, <clears throat> you see the theme today is walking in the Spirit. There's two ways that we live our lives. We live our lives according to the flesh, or we live our lives according to the Holy Spirit of God. When you come to the Lord and you believe in Him and put your faith in Jesus as your personal Savior, you are given the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God came in you. Whether you felt it or not, sometimes people do. Sometimes they don't feel Him. But he was promised to you and he's delivered to you when you come into a faith, <clears throat> saving faith of Jesus Christ. He dwells in you. And I told you all last week, that is why one of the reasons that Christians cannot be demon-possessed. Because the Holy Spirit of God will not coexist with uh, a demon. Okay? And, but along with this Holy Spirit, Aaron, that's now living within you, unfortunately, that old sin nature, that old man, is still there. And there is a tug of war going on in your heart, one thing pulling you towards your flesh and another pulling you towards the things of God. Now, the flesh is just one of the three things that gets in our way of being all that God wants us to be. I've told you all that all of us have three basic needs, the need to be loved and accepted, to have value and worth, and to have an identity. And whenever you, James, try to fill any of those with anything other than God, it always ends in conflict and frustration. So in your way, what you can do is try to do those things in the flesh. Manipulate people, work things around, make them work out where I feel loved and accepted, trying to get Sandy 
to love me and accept me, doing stuff to manipulate her. Do you all hear what I'm saying? But a human being can't love me enough to really feel loved. And so Amanda can never love you enough, David, for you to really feel loved. You have to know you're loved of the Lord and you're accepted by Him, and that's where your love and acceptance comes from. Okay? She can't fill that hole, and vice versa. And your value and worth, you know, you can't have a job that really makes you feel good enough about yourself. You've got to know, you know what? Jesus went to the cross for me, and he was worth the very blood of God himself, who poured out his his blood for me. Amen? Amen. And then you have the world, and the world is the value system that goes on. So we have the world, the flesh, and then the devil. I call it the evil realm. Combating, yes, influencing you, but we're going to learn today, it really begins and ends with you yourself and your own self-control. So we have this tug of war, the Holy Spirit at war with your flesh. We're just talking about the flesh part right now. Paul was writing this because the Galatians had forgotten that their salvation was unmerited and it was something that they didn't deserve. Do you all understand me? It's grace. He came in and he told them they had all of these temple rituals to try to be accepted by God. They were pagans living in what's now Turkey and Greece. And Paul told them about the gospel. They readily accepted it. They became believers. And then people came along behind and said, well, you know, yeah, you are saved, but you've got to, Tim. Where's Tim? But you've got to be at church every Sunday. Where is Tim? Oh, he's there with his bride. I'm sorry. And I'd say that to Tim because Tim was raised in a paradigm that was kind of performance-based. And he grew up feeling like he had to be perfect to be accepted of God. And it was Jesus plus nothing equaling everything. And you begin to put Jesus with something and you get a bunch of mess is what you get. And Paul talks about this. They felt they had to do something else. They were confused uh, on how they could live a moral life and not be under the Mosaic law. You follow me, Gary? They thought, well, how can we be moral if we don't have this law to stick by? And these Judaizers, these Jews came along behind them, Jewish Christians, and said, Oh, no, no, you've still got to be circumcised. You've still got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do this, this, and this, okay? And they began to buy into all of that, and it was just became a works-based, we call, theology. Now, I want to comment for a minute on replacement theology. Churches get mixed up, we don't hear, when they are taught that the church has replaced Israel, all right? The church has not replaced Israel. Do you all follow me? God still has a plan and a purpose that he's working through the Jews, through even the land of Israel. Because he made an eternal covenant with these people, whether they at times in history are aware of who he is or not. Y'all follow me? With us, we have a spiritual covenant. We were not promised a piece of land, you know. We were promised other things. And so instead, what's happened is we don't live by the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law ended on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took, the, remember the, the cup, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. That erased the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. That's why we don't have to have a Sabbath, and we don't have to do it on worship services on Saturday that some denominations do. They do that because they're confused about covenant theology. They don't understand. They think, well, if we're now Israel, then I guess we have to have our church Meeting on a Saturday morning. You follow me? And they build this entire paradigm around a theology that's, that's not right, that's not true. The problem with legalism 
and I want to talk about legalism a second, is that legalistic churches focus, the focus of their teaching is, you know, I, I, I say this to y'all and y'all laugh, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. <laughs> All right? That is not what makes you a Christian. Moralistic behavior doesn't make you righteous, okay? If you think that it does, you've got your theology backwards. It is your righteousness in Christ that brings about a moral change in your life. And when pastors preach morality instead of the gospel, all kinds of screwball things happen. And that's why I don't preach morality a lot, okay? I don't. I preach Christ and Him crucified and us believing and being saved and transformed. Amen. Amen? Amen? When you have a church that is focused on all of that stuff, Tim, if you step out of line and you don't do things according to the rules, did you feel loved and accepted? You felt criticism, all right? Now, I'm not going to say where I went to church, but I went to a Bible church as a child, and they talked all the time about the freedom in Christ, but they didn't really live it. Do you understand what I mean? Or at least from my perception, they didn't, and I might have perceived it wrong. Uh, if your hair got too long, and I, I see Laurie over sitting here nodding, you know, it's all about freedom in Christ, but if your hair is over your ears, they would literally have a deacon come down and take a kid and escort him out. All right? Is that legalism or what? And Paul is talking about that here. If you read that verse that I read, he says, they will end up eating one another. You, when you read it, you go, what's he talking about devouring one another? Legalistic churches, Ed, always end up consuming one another. We saw that. Very focused on sin, but very focused on your sin. Yeah, okay, not not maybe my sin. So Paul is talking exactly about that. People eat each other up. When we're led by the Spirit, there is love for one another that is filled with grace. Sometimes in here, we get testy with one another, and I have to remind myself and others, let's just exercise a little bit of grace. We've been given grace without any thing we've done, let's exercise that with one another. You gave me grace when I broke all that stuff in your booth last week. All right, I was in there doing a little bit of electrical stuff. Guys, what we are is we're called to freedom. And you wouldn't know that by seeing most Christians' lives. They don't seem free. Or the world doesn't see them as free, you know. They go, oh, yeah, they have to do this, they have to do that. Look what Paul says there. He says, for you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. So we're free to really not be slaves to sin. That's how we're free. We still are burdened, Joey, with the old sin nature. But you have a Holy Spirit in you that makes you no longer a slave to that sin where you, where you were helpless and hopeless about doing anything about the sin in your life. Do you all follow me? You have a choice. You had a choice when you were in your depth of sin and... That little Holy Spirit in you was squeaking out, trying to talk, and you listened, and you finally said, yes, Lord, and you ran back home, you see, Amen. and the Holy Spirit was drawing you and pulling you, and you said, I'm done being pulled by that tug of war in the wrong direction. For the, he says, but through love serve one another, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour each other, take care that you are not consumed by one another. So he's saying legalism is going to end up in total consumption, everybody's going to eat each other up, you know. And if you've ever been in a legalistic church, and some of y'all grew up in them, man, it gets old. 
I mean, some of y'all didn't grow up in church at all. I guess, Aaron, you didn't, did you? And so it's awful. You get into this church and pretty soon, you know, Aaron, we don't do things like that around here. And, you know, you need to wear a different kind of a shirt when you're going to come into the sanctuary and uh, correcting you for things that you have no clue about. Uh, and pretty soon, instead of being interested in your walk with Christ, they really just want you to conform to how they want you to be and do and, and all that. Follow me? I mean, I think some of y'all have been there. Amen. It's a freedom the world can't understand. Christians are free, and we've been called to freedom. You wouldn't know it by how many of us live. Where Many people use their freedom to go sin against the Lord, okay? And it grieves his heart, but he sets us free to do that. They don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. We are called to walk in freedom. Jesus himself said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I don't want to be a slave. I want to be free, and I want to be free in the Lord. Say amen if you agree. So walking in the Spirit. If we don't live by this Mosaic law, Gary, I keep picking on you because I'm thinking about law and this. And If we don't live by the law, what do we live by then? We live by the Spirit, okay? Look at this verse out of Hebrews. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel and also the Gentiles. It was a covenant that came to us. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. So God puts his law now in our heart. You have the Holy Spirit that is nudging you and pushing you and telling you, okay? And I'm going to give some cautions here about that, uh, but really walking in the Spirit is listening to him, and the way we listen to him, y'all, is we listen to him through his word. And we listen to him through listening to him. I mean, I'm talking about listening to what he whispers in your heart about a passage. Or as I call it, my zero turn time. You know, when I'm out on that zero turn, it's like, I don't know. I just, I, I have an inkling, go visit Paul and Wendy. And I go visit Paul and Wendy. Now, maybe it's just me thinking, man, I hadn't seen them in a long time. I don't know. But I obey those things that I hear when they line up with the word of God. Okay. We'll talk about that. Difficulties in listening. Why is it so hard sometimes to hear the voice of the Lord? Okay? Why is it? Sometimes it's due to our laziness. We just don't want to pick up the Bible and don't want to read a passage and don't want to meditate it and we don't want to sit and we don't want to wait and we don't want to listen. And I'm talking to me. I'm not purposefully looking at some of y'all. And what's exciting to me is Philippians 2.13 that says that the Lord himself if I pray to him, he will, he will give me a desire to do the right things. And not only that, he will empower me to do it, Amen. which is kind of a cool thought. So walking in the spirit, it's about listening and obeying. First, we get out of the word. That's where we have a problem. We can't hear God's voice because we're not reading his word. And I don't know why we don't. I think it's laziness. We just, or we get attracted by the world by our own flesh. And we get so busy, why? Going back to those needs, it makes us feel like we have value and worth. So a lot of our busyness and doing and coming and doing this and activity and going is to make me feel like I've got some worthwhile life, you know? And really, at that time, maybe the Lord just wants me sitting and listening. Each Sunday morning, I have to, with discipline, get everything done 
And then I go, well, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? And I stop and I go, I'm not going to do anything now. I'm going to fall on my face before the Lord and pray, Lord, whatever word comes out of my mouth from that pulpit, let it today be from you. That's probably the most important five or ten minutes that I spend on a Sunday morning. Okay? The problem is we aren't very good listeners. I'm talking to me. I want to hear a word from God, and I don't want to bother reading. I don't want to bother praying. I don't want to bother meditating on a scripture. I just want God to tell me something. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I want to hear a word from the Lord, but hey, I got to run to the shop right now and go do this, this, and that. Man, I wish I could, or you don't even think about wishing you could read your Bible on a given morning. You know, get up and get into the word. That is how you will hear God's desire and his voice for your life. That is the beginning of walking in the spirit. I wish my written sermon had been this good. (laughs) Stay in tune. It begins with that desire to walk in the spirit. I'm too busy with my own agenda, and you probably are too. The Bible actually tells us he will give me the desire and the ability. Look, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He'll put that desire in me, and he'll work it out. Isn't that a cool thought? So when you say, Lord, I'm hopeless, and I'm helpless, put that desire in me, then you might suddenly become aware that there is a desire in you. Is your name really Kelly? You just look like a girl named Kelly downtown. Who I thought you were. Now I see you. You're not Kelly. At least not the one I know. But we're glad you're here. Details about listening. Listening is a funny thing. Have you all read these psycho people that ended up killing their kids? And they go, well, I heard a voice that told me to drown my kids because they had demons in them or something. That's the wrong voices you're listening to. Okay? That's the wrong voices. Just because something whispers in your head, don't you take it as truth. If it does not agree with God's... First off, be very suspect of it because that's kind of an unusual thing. But if if you do hear something like that, you check it to the Word. You look at it. See what it means. It's not the same as your conscience. You know, your conscience can be an error. Your conscience is affected by things. Sandy can... Make my conscience. She can manipulate my conscience, you know. Uh, did you close the chicken house this morning or, or something or last, last night or, you know, my conscience. Then my conscience gets to doing all kinds of weird things. My conscience is not the same as the Holy Spirit. Your conscience is just kind of a moral ticker in your brain. The Holy Spirit is a living, all-powerful being that is the Spirit of God that lives within you that can direct you and comfort you and guide you. Amen. Amen. That's not your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit. Like I said, a little word of caution. If you are listening and you hear things contrary to the Word of God, then you're not hearing the Spirit of God. It's either your own flesh or your own twisted mind. Some people are mentally ill, okay? They really are. And they think they heard someone say kill their kids, all right? They're mentally ill. They've got a problem. Or three, it's the evil realm speaking to you. When I say the evil realm, because we know that, our, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. We have a wrestling match going on. They're one of the big three that comes after us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I'd say his minions, okay? Start by meditating. If you say, I don't even know where to start, then start with the first, Jesus said, when, when that lawyer asked him, I love lawyers of the Bible, What's the greatest commandment? He said, to 
to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. I've taught you all, you all that love is the word ahava, or it's agape in Greek, ahava in Hebrew, coming from the word to give, ahava. It's hav. So loving, if, think of it this way. You shall give to the Lord all of your heart, give to the Lord all of your soul, give to the Lord all of your strength, and give to your neighbor like you give to yourself. It kind of helps us take this nebulous word love and put something concrete with it where it's an action that we're doing for our neighbor. And get alone and start meditating on that and say, Lord, direct me on how, if nothing else, Lord, how I can do these first two things that were important to you. Lord, change my mental attitude in my heart where I'm doing these things like you would like me to do. And suddenly, you'll want to go visit some guy that you met in a trailer house in Lake Somerville because the Lord put in your heart that he was lonely. Do you follow what I'm saying? And, and, st- and you do that all the time. And uh, I'm not saying go do it in the flesh, but you do it being led and walking in the Spirit. Waiting can drive us crazy as task-oriented humans. This should say, as task-oriented favor. Y'all, some of y'all have known me a long time, and I got lists of things that I like to get done. Boy, that can get in the way of God's agenda. I have learned that if I'm going to walk in the Spirit, I have to be willing to have my agenda interrupted by God's agenda. Okay? And it's, and it's frustrating because you think, man, I can't get this stuff done. And if you listen real hard, you'll hear a so what, you know. <laughs> you'll hear a so what, you know, this, this magical list that if I get this done, today my life was complete. No, it didn't. I just got my list done. And I'm not saying don't make goals, Joey and James. You know, we know right now you're, I'm pounding on you guys about making goals and setting them and having a plan and doing it. And same with you, Aaron. So, you know, let's get a plan and work it. Work the plan. But always let the plan of God, God be able to take precedence over your own plans, you know. We have to do that. So it's not automatic. That's the bad thing. Walking in the Spirit's not automatic. I want it to be. You know what's automatic? Parker, the flesh is automatic. Yes. It's your automatic default. Y'all know what default is? What's your default position mean, Ed? <laughs> he said, that's default he finds himself in all the time. That's funny. It's what happens if you quit making payments on your debt. Yeah, it just happens. It's the thing that happens. The thing that happens without doing anything else is what is your default position, okay? And the default position for our hearts and our minds is the flesh. That's the default. It takes submitting yourself to the power of God early more and the Holy Spirit to jump out of that default, you know, and get it to where you're on His timeline and His project line. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed, this is what, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But look at this. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life, wow, and peace. Yes, amen. Who wants life and peace? I say, Travis, you don't want life and peace? Yeah. And, we got, and you know what? We've got it if we submit to the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's a tug of war. It's your flesh versus your spirit. I couldn't decide whether to put this at the beginning or in the middle of the sermon, you know. But it's, I 
Flesh versus the spirit. It's a tug of war going on. And the spirit will win if you allow it to. Deeds of the flesh are evident. We talked about them last week. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. That's where you desire pleasure. This is what the world wants. The world says, man, if it feels good, do it. That's meaningful. No, it isn't meaningful. It's the flesh. Idolatry. That's running for money and power and pleasure and people. Whatever you're running after, what's getting between you and that time you need with God, that's your idol, okay? Sorcery. Amanda taught us. That's from a Greek word, pharmakeia, meaning mind-altering substances. That's where we get the word pharmacy, okay? In the Bible, the King James guys translated it as sorcery. They, they associated, you know, having a mind-altering drug with speaking to spirits, I guess, and black magic and doing all kinds of weird things. Jealous, uh, and then strife, and the Greek word there is drama. Y'all ever been around people that it's always a drama? Drama gets old, doesn't it? It will wear you out, and drama is evidently a work of the flesh. It's, the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with drama. Or being addicted to picking fights or being contentious. People, you know, you tell them that the sky is blue. No, it isn't. It's really kind of aquamarine. Come on, man. Give me a break. You know, this carpet's kind of worn out. No, it isn't. It's got a lot of life left in it. Anything you say, they counter it. That's a contentious spirit. And contentious spirits are of the flesh, not the, not the spirit. Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. I call that making sides and taking sides. When I first came to Navasota, I was talking to this guy and got in a disagreement with him. He goes, well, you're here now. You're going to have to take sides in this town. He was a well-known artist. Don't... Yeah, 20 years ago. And I thought, I have to take sides? I don't want to take sides. I don't even know who's on what side. All right. Yeah, what are we taking sides about? So we don't have to take sides and we don't have to make sides. Envy, drunking, drunkenness, carousing. Carousing is kind of a funny part, uh, word. I looked it up this week. It's licentious partying, okay? Partying. Licentious means without any limits, just going and partying and doing all this stuff. And, and then Paul doesn't seal it all up. He says, and things like this, things like these. You know what? It takes good choice making. Joey, to walk in the Spirit. James, to walk in the Spirit. Good making of choices. It's our choices. Because we're going to see in a minute that in the fruits of the Spirit, the last one, it's probably give him the whammy at the end, is self-control. Learning to control self is an important part of your path to holiness. You're important, it's important in your path to the sanctification that God desires for you. Walking in the Spirit produces fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I've given you a handout. I want you to take it out of your bulletin, and I want you to put it in your Bible. It's an excerpt out of a book on spiritual warfare by a friend of mine named Robbie Dean, who is a great Bible scholar, also Dr. Thomas Ice also co-authored the book. It's now out of print. So my bride sat and dictated it while I typed these two. They're the best explanations of the fruit of the Spirit I've seen. That's what we covered in Sunday school, okay? I want to look at them quickly as we wrap up. We talked about love, the fruits of the Spirit. When you're walking in the Spirit, Doug, and you're walking according to the Spirit, and you're listening to Him, and you're living your life by the Word of God, Gita, you're going to have a love that the world cannot understand. 
It's going to be a selfless love that is agape love that gives to others without expecting a return. If you're giving to others expecting some kind of return, you're investing. You're not giving, okay? You're making an investment or doing a deal or manipulating or trying to cause something to happen. Real joy is not happiness or exuberance. That means wee, okay? Exuberance. What did it mean? Wee! But it's stable. It's a stable, uplifted mental attitude that is not disturbed or upset by shifting circumstances. Now, Chris, you and Gary are both in what I would call um, emergency services. Public safety. Are shifting circumstances something that are common in your work day, Gary? Every single 30 minutes, the thing's ringing and the house is on fire. Somebody has COVID, Chris, and you're... Every 15. All right. And God is telling you that you can have joy as you do this work that he's given you, even with tremendously shifting circumstances. And he'll give you the grace, Chris, to do those things that you thought, how can I do this? I can't deal with this kind of trauma in people's lives. And he'll give you the grace to get through that. Then we have a peace when we're guided and walked by the Holy Spirit. It's a shalom, a mental attitude relaxed and untroubled by worry or anxiety because it rests in the provision of God. You know, we could all be worried so much right now with the COVID-19 and, you know, we could be all worried about the election coming up where you're sick and you can't do anything because it's just so much turmoil. Worried and upset and have anxiety about so many things. But let me tell you all something right now. We have peace because we rest in the care and the provision of God. And I told you all four years ago when I came here, it doesn't matter who's elected president, Jesus is still king. And I'm not saying I don't have my preferences. (laughs) But my preference above all is that Jesus is my king. And he is sovereign. And if I give it to him... It's his problem and not mine. It's like when I was tired of doing the singing alone. Like, well, now I'm not alone. I had Doug and Tim playing with me. We did it alone for months. And I finally had kind of a hollering match with God. And I said, God, it's your reputation at stake here. (laughs) Same thing with all this other stuff. We don't have to get all anxious over it. Patience. It's not responding to threats, but giving people time to change and come around. Boy, do you get tired of giving people time to change and come around? I'm looking at you, Laura, because you always post all this stuff about, I'm done with these people. That's it. All right, I'm going to cut their heads off. No, you're not. I'm not sure what all that meant, but, but, but God's telling you, you better, actually, you better have some patience coming out or the Holy Spirit's not working. Gentleness and kindness. Gentleness, Sandy and I have told you all that the best advice we can give folks getting married is just be kind to each other. Because that's the biggest struggle for us. That's why we say, y'all be kind to each other. Because we might love each other, do anything for each other. But sometimes it's just hard to be kind when you're hurting and you get up and you're grumpy and you didn't sleep well or whatever. Okay? So gentleness is an attitude of courtesy respect and consideration for others. I don't want to get into a big fist fight over the the face mask deal, but one reason I started wearing a face mask is one night on Wednesday night, I said, Doug, would you like us to wear a face mask? 
it sure make me feel better. Well, you know what? If I can't put on a mask for Doug, then what's, what's my problem, you know? It's an attitude of courtesy, respect, consideration for other people. And then goodness describes the gracious actions towards others that are motivated by kindness. I'll do certain things, and it, that's goodness, because it's motivated by kindness that's generated by the Holy Spirit. Is this helping you all a little to get, get, get your arms around this stuff, Wendy? Faithfulness. That's basically faithfulness is do what you say and say what you mean what you say and say what you mean and do it. Be a promise keeper. I tell Joey and uh, Joey and James, y'all, some of y'all visiting wonder why am I picking on these guys? These guys came into our community of faith. They live in a camper provided by a couple in the church over on a thing and they're trying to get their lives started. So, you know, God put them in here. So it's our job now to mentor you. We're not going to let you just float. You either, Aaron. Uh, so faithfulness means uh, you're loyal to your spouse, to God, to your children, and loyalty to the church. That's each of us in here. Honor your commitments, even if it's inconvenient. <laughs> even if someone hiccups in the middle of your sermon. And then meekness. Gentleness is sometimes... Translated meekness. You are not born with welcome across your chest. You're not a floor mat for people to wipe their feet on. But you are called to have an attitude of humility. You are called to not denigrate others and talk down to them ever. You don't have to look up at people. You don't have to look down at people. Look across to people. Because the ground is equal at the foot of the cross. Amen? Amen. That's just, I'm going to counsel you all in that through life. It will get you very far. People love it when you just get on their level. If I'm talking in big words, denigrate, denigrate means to diss in your language, okay? You know what diss means? Do you know what denigrate means? Yeah, okay. And then last, self-control. It's self-mastery. Self-control is difficult when you try to do it in the flesh. But I have done self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit, and you can do it. I'm here to tell you. You can do it because God said you can do it, and I believe him, and that settles it, okay? Associated with control of sexual desire, but it applies to every other area of our life. You've got to have self-control. Paul puts it at the end. It's the biggie, I think. The Holy Spirit strengthens our ability to master our sinful selves, to control fleshly desires so that we do not give in to sinful temptations. We don't have to. So that is basically the message of today is that, guys, we can walk by the Spirit. We are no longer under the Mosaic Law. We're going to have mess-ups that we do. And our little, I call him our bishop, we're in a Baptist association of 71 churches, writes me every Sunday morning. And he didn't write me last week. Or the other 71 pastors. I'm making it sound like it's me. And I read this, and I just felt I wanted to share this with you all. It's a good way to end of forgiveness and goodness. Brothers, I apologize for not sending you my weekly email last week. I was in Arkansas doing a wedding, and in the midst of a long and exhausting weekend, I forgot to mail you. Please forgive me. But my failure reminds me that our God never fails. Scripture text on my mind for you this morning is, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. They are new every morning like a song. Great is thy faithfulness. Think about this text. God has never-ending steadfast love for you, Gita. It's easy these days, Wendy, to feel worn down and jerked about, Paul, by all the crazy circumstances of the world we live in. 
It's easy, Ken and Kathy, to get frustrated with people. It's easy, Daryl, for you to frustrate other people. Some days you feel on top of the world with joy, and other days your sorrow is so strong you want the earth to swallow you up. In the midst of all of our inconsistencies, God's love is constant. But more than that, the intensity and quality of God's love never diminishes. His love for us is the same on our bad days as it is on our good days. I love that, don't you? How intense is God's love for us? Well, all you have to do is look to the cross. The love that saved you is the love that sustains you. And remember, according to Colossians 3, 3, we are hidden in Christ. Therefore, in virtue of our union with Christ, the love that the Father has towards the Son is poured out on you and me. That's right. We are folded up into inter-Trinitarian love of God. That's why Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am sure, and this, this is a... A, something that your parents, Amanda, and me and Sandy and Doug and Darlene prayed and claimed this promise when you were in your depths of problems. For I am sure that neither depth nor height nor angels nor rulers nor things present to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So great is God's love, so great is our Father's mercy, so great is His faithfulness. Therefore, take heart this morning, brothers, and I'll say, sisters, in Union Grove, he goes on, preach faithfully, shepherd wisely, according to the facts of God's love for you, for our God's love is upon you even if you don't feel like it. Amen. That's the message from Steve today. Even when you don't feel like it, His love's on you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this fire hose out of your word. Lord, we want to walk in the spirit. God, just teach us how to do that. Lord, get us off of our lazy selves to, Lord, where we're taking your word and reading it and asking your Holy Spirit to apply it to our hearts and lives this day, this week. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.